I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. What is your life producing? What's your life producing? Because you, you've been given a life. You knew when it began, you don't know when it ends, but it's a season, it's a thing. What's it producing? What's your life producing? We're going to look at, I'm asking all this and calling you figs because we're, uh, it's good to be a fig, by the way, a good fig, not a bad fig. Uh, we're going to look at Jesus' parable of the fig tree. The point being, uh, it's all about the Gadarene. <laughs> no, it kind of is. Uh, the point being that there's a season of grace for the fruit of faith and a deadline and a deadline. We like the first two parts. That last one, not so much. But this goes both for a nation as a whole and an individual. And we're going to look at all of this, believe it or not, in the light of that crazy naked Gadarene who was the first, if you don't know, the first apostle. Boy, am I really learning this. How, how this is a, we've overlooked something. This guy's the first apostle that Jesus sends out. To perform miracles in Jesus' name. Did you know he did that? Do you know the crazy guy full of demons? You know he does miracles in Jesus' name? Did you know it's in the Bible? Because <laughs> I kind of didn't. But I'm so excited to show you. That and something else. Uh, last Sunday we took a look at Jerusalem's destruction. Boy, Reading into that, there's so much of that that we don't know about that it just brings so much scripture to light. You know, taking the historical accounts and eyewitness accounts, it's just incredible. But we look at Jerusalem's destruction in 70 AD when Roman legions ignored Caesar's command. It won't be today, but I can't wait to tell you why they ignored his command. It's incredible. Ties right in scripture. But but suffice suffice it to say, uh, the legions ignored Caesar's command to save the temple, thus fulfilling Jesus' warning that not one stone here will be left on another, even though they'd been commanded to save the temple because Caesar wanted to rededicate it to himself. Uh, But the Jews, on the other hand, many of the Jews ignored Jesus' command, and it was a command to flee When you see Jerusalem surrounded on all four sides, we looked at the different passages, he's very clear. When it's surrounded, you're going to hear rumors of war and all this, but when you see it surrounded on all four sides, flee, okay? Surrounded by armies. Uh, They ignored that with catastrophic consequences. I never realized how catastrophic. Uh, it's, It's tough to read about it. Uh, even though these days of vengeance, remember that's what Jesus just calls them. You know, when you see it surrounded, these are the days of vengeance. And then you start looking up the days of vengeance and the prophets. Oh my goodness. And then you start realizing uh, what Jesus is talking about. Uh, He calls them the days of vengeance and these days had been proclaimed from day one. We saw when John the Baptist saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, you serpents, who warned you to flee? Because Jesus is going to warn everybody and John's been warning people. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And we didn't read this part. And now, he says, uh, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. 
Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Uh, So where we are today, we're a year out from the cross, and Jesus now has been contradicting uh, the Pharisaical teaching that uh, all suffering is God's punishing for sin. That's not true. And so in this moment, as we saw last week, we'll pick, what, pick up where we left off. Jesus points to those Galilean rebels who were massacred in Jerusalem. And the victims of that big tower collapse who were killed in Jerusalem. And then to sum up all of last Sunday, Jesus basically says, don't think their sin was abnormally horrible. It was normally horrible. Like yours. Like mine. And then twice we saw, he adds, but unless you repent, he knew what was coming. Unless you repent, he says to that crowd, you will all likewise massacred, things falling in Jerusalem, perish. And many did. Over a million. Boy, there's a whole sermon coming up on the book of Hebrews as soon as I can write it. But I something else I didn't know. Did you know the book of Hebrews? It, it was uh, written a couple years before the destruction. It was written to Jewish Christians who called themselves Hebrews. And uh, it was written after hostilities had begun. But shortly before, uh, a couple years before the destruction, when they were all fleeing. I mean, look for the line in Hebrews where it says, we have all fled for refuge. It changes the whole book of Hebrews. Uh, the destruction's coming. And in the book of Hebrews, the writer ponders this horrific thought. Because when he's writing, he's seeing. He even says, the writer says, uh, here we have no continuing city, so we seek the one to come. And then he ponders this horrific thought, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved? I mean, because he sees, he doesn't know what's going to happen, but... But they're in the days, vengeance. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has spurned the Son of God? You know, has outraged the spirit of grace that came and warned us when to flee, and they're not. Well, the ancient Jewish eyewitness and historian Josephus records, he's got the frontline view. He was a zealot general that got captured and made to be a Communicator, he records everything, including how the Roman legions surrounded the city with this big earthen mound. First it was mounds, and then they connected them five miles long, as tall as the city wall. Just they dug this huge trench and just made this big berm. And on the top of it, we're told that they crucified over more than 500 people per day who were trying to flee, getting caught in the pit, and then they'd catch them. And Josephus writes that it was more than 500 per day, day after day, week after week, month after month, for about five months or so. Until, he writes, until there was no more wood anywhere to make crosses nor room to hang bodies. And then it's horrific. He tells how when there's no more room, what they do to hang them. It's just, 
so, so all that to say, I guess that's how much worse. I guess that's how much worse punishment was to come to those who demanded the release of the murderous rebel Barabbas and demanded the crucifixion of Christ. What crime? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him! Let his blood be on us and on our children. And so it was. And so after Jesus says, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Just repent. Believe me. Do what I say. I'm telling you how to, how to escape eternal destruction. But for that crowd, literal destruction. And that's when he told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Likewise, Jesus at this point, well into his third year, cut it down. Sir, the man replied, leave it, leave it alone for one more year. And I'll dig around it and fertilize it. Uh, if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Axe is already laid at the root. Moral is clear. When the Lord comes to us, we better be ripe for repentance. Ready. When, when the Lord shows himself in your heart through someone else about something you've done, it's, it's, it's not time to point fingers at other people. You know, those guys, boy, what they did, huh? Boy, their sin, huh? No, we need to be ripe for repentance, whether as a nation or an individual. And repentance requires uh, the six R's. We'll go through them real quick. Recognition of my sin. No hiding, no denying. Just, re yeah. Remorse for my sin because it hurts my relationship with my creator father. Uh, returning to him and resurrendering control. And that's all to affirm the relationship. Receiving his grace. And then redevoting myself point forward. You can sum it all up. The fruit of repentance basically means that I grow up. <laughs> that I grow up and mature and stop trusting the promises of sin over the promises of God. That's all. I'm sorry. Why, I did it again. Trusted the promise of sin over you. Did you notice that the fig tree is planted in his vineyard? It's not a fig orchard. This guy just has a fig tree. That he, that he really, this was a special tree. I wanted this tree in my vineyard. And boy, you start looking at fig trees and vineyards in the day of vengeance. It's like they're all in on it. It's like everyone in the Old Testament knows what's going on. Isaiah says, oh, the vineyard of uh, the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel as a nation. And the men of Judah as individuals, ah, they're his pleasant plant. You go, well, pleasant plant. What's, what's the, I wonder what kind of plant, huh? Jeremiah uh, 24, the Lord said, what do you, what do you see, Jeremiah? Now, you got to understand, God's asking him about the hearts of the individuals, the hearts of his people. What do you see, Jeremiah? And he said, figs. 
figs. Well, the good figs, very good. And the bad figs, and the bad, very bad. And well, that's because, as Jesus said, a good tree does not bear bad fruit. Nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree will be known by its own fruit. And you go, oh, I don't like some of the fruit that I've been producing. Check your foliage. Check your foliage. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor grapes from a bramble bush. There's the figs and grapes. <laughs> it's all about the abundance. Out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So you can, there's a, that's where you check the fruit right there. That's where you check it. And when there is no one upright, Micah, minor prophet says, the best of them is like a briar. You know what? Uh, the most upright, sharper than a thorn hedge. Yeah, because that day of punishment comes. And Jeremiah says, yeah, in the time of their punishment, they shall be cast down, says the Lord. I will surely consume them. That's going to happen, says the Lord. No grapes shall be on the vine, nor figs on the fig tree. And the things I have given them shall pass away from them. Hosea says, and I will destroy her vines and her fig trees. I wish I could read you every one of those full chapters in context. God, I had the worst time trying to cut these scriptures down. I'm crying in front of no going, oh, it's got so much everything in here. But there, that's just the Cliff's notes. Go back and read. Jesus, it's, it's incredible. They're all talking about the same thing. So Jesus shares this story of the fig tree just after sending out the Gadarene. We don't know his name, so we'll call him Gad. Uh, one year before the cross. Okay, And this is a direct prophetic threat. It's not really a warning. The warning is when you see the army surrounding, head for the hills. This is a threat. Unless you repent, it's going to happen. That fig tree gets one more year. During this year, Jesus and the Gad, they both do everything. Jesus on this side of the pond, him on the other. They do everything they can to break through the hard hearts to get the good seed of God's word to grow. And they got great results too. Jesus on this side of the Sea of Galilee and the Jordan and the Gad on the other. I've never seen what a team they are. Wish I could, I can't go into it. Do you know the other two stories in the Gospels about our Gadarene brother? You know, besides the Legion one, do you know the other two stories about him? I didn't. I didn't. I tripped across and went, oh my goodness, this is about him. Can't wait to show you. Uh, two gospel stories about our Gadarene brother. We've got to go clear back to when Jesus first started preaching to the Gentiles. Matthew writes about it. Jesus went throughout Galilee, and earlier he calls it Galilee of the Gentiles. Like, this is why they're going, you need to go back home and do stuff back in Jerusalem. Yeah, I'm not welcome in my own country. So he goes to Galilee of the Gentiles preaching the good news. Uh, and news about him spread. Okay, Large crowds from Galilee and the Decapolis. Maybe we talked about the Decapolis. We'll talk about it more today. Literally the ten cities across the pond. Uh, and the region across the Jordan, the region around the Decapolis, uh, across the Jordan, followed him. But on this side, 
Okay, so they're all coming over here. And then getting really specific about Isaiah's prophecy regarding this great light that's going to dawn uh, on the Gentiles. And he gets specific. Across the Jordan, he says, on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. (laughs) Getting real specific about that prophecy, Matthew says that these great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. Yet he warned them. You guys from across the pond, not to make him known among the Gentiles for a reason. So that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet regarding the Gentiles saying, Jesus gets to do it. (laughs) Saying, behold, my servant whom I have chosen, he will declare justice To the Gentiles. But he will not quarrel. Nor cry out. Till. And stop right there. There's an until. So he is going to do those things. Yeah, yeah, just not until. He sends forth justice to victory. Whatever that means. He sends something forth. Justice to victory. And then, then in his name Gentiles will trust. So Jesus warns the Gentiles to keep things hush-hush across the pond until he's ready to fulfill uh, at least Isaiah 49, uh, 42, 9, 65. <laughs> I, I'm starting to think it's half of Isaiah that he's fulfilling. Um, trying to get to Isaiah 65 because it's one of my favorite parts of the story, but con- we need context. Because at that time, Jesus will declare, and it's from Isaiah 65. We're going to get to it when he sails over to the guy right before he casts out the legion. Here I am. He declares himself, and then he'll quarrel, and he does in the story with legion. They have a whole back and forth. And then he cries out, go. And then he sends forth the Gadarene to victory in his name. And we know that this is, the, this is about the Gadarene. That's who's being referred to when Matthew writes this. Because he's the one Jesus sends forth to declare his name to the Gentiles. He's, he's reflecting the light that dawned across the pond. It's like Jesus tells every Gentile, don't make me known till I get ready to send forth. And then that guy, Jesus says, okay, you go tell everyone. So there's one story about him right there. That's that guy. I'm starting to think Legion is just really a side note to this whole thing. <laughs> you know, the real story here is Jesus establishing us. Unless you're a Jew. But us Gentiles, those of us from across the pond. This is about Jesus establishing us Gentiles who will, as he knows, embrace and become the body of Christ when his own reject him. And he initiates the whole thing appropriately, I think, through this crazy, naked, screaming outlaw. That sounds about right for us. Infamous, infamous, we're told in two of the Gospels for what? escaping, escaping Roman authorities. And as you remember last week, this is the guy, we'll we'll touch on it in a minute, that's going to help the people flee. Perfect 
There's a whole sermon to be had just from the fact that Jesus looks at this guy and goes, that's my guy. That's my guy right there. So we, Luke's in green, Mark's in blue. We want all the pieces. This is the end of the story. We'll, we'll jump to the end of the story. Jesus sent him away saying, go home to your people. Okay. Return to your house. Just as Jesus came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You go home. You go to your people. You go to your house. And this is his commissioning. And report to them. And describe what great things the Lord God of the Jews has done for you. And how he had mercy on you. On a wild Gentile like you. So he went away. Proclaiming throughout the whole city of Gadara. That's where he's from. He's Gadarene. And began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus, the king of the Jews, had done for him. And everyone was amazed. Because you've heard his testimony, right? Not for me in a while, but I'm trying to get to it. It won't be today. But because here's the thing. We can use the Decapolis. He went all throughout the Decapolis. That's where Jesus sent him. The ten cities, we can use it as a key to unlock yet another story. Because Damascus was one of the ten cities of the Decapolis, the the one that's the furthest north. And its region included the pagan countryside of Caesarea Philippi, where Jesus sends the twelve out into the countryside of the Caesarea Philippi. And when they regroup, John reports a strange encounter with someone. And now Jesus was saying, he who is least, he's telling them this, he who is least among you all will be great. And now John answered, doesn't sound like it was a question, but John sees that he needs to say something about what Jesus just said. Now John answered and said, master, we all saw someone, you know, that fits that description. Casting out demons in your name. And we all forbade him because he does not follow with us. He doesn't even follow with us. He's doing his own thing out there in the Decapolis. But Jesus said to him, do not, do not forbid him. Oh, for heaven's sakes. He he who is not against us, even though he's of those who are, is on our side. For no one who works a miracle in my name say, what? That guy? The guy that's out there in the Decapolis casting out demons that doesn't follow them? Yeah, that guy. No one works a miracle in my name uh, who works a miracle man can soon afterwards speak evil of me. Come on, guys. So he works miracles in Jesus' name, under Jesus' authority, and with Jesus' full endorsement. And I think Jesus looking ahead, because that's the guy that's going to go start getting, we got to get this side saved, or you're not going to have a place to flee to. It's like Jesus saying, trust me. Trust me, I know he's the least of the least, right? But this guy's going to be great because you all are going to greatly need him. And it's no wonder they couldn't stop him. After all, no one was strong enough to subdue that guy. One week to go to the cross. Jesus on his way to cleanse the temple one last time. Condemn the fruitless Pharisees. 
And seeing in the distance fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves. Are we talking about figs or Pharisees? Yes. Yes. And in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots where it had been cut. As though it had been. Like the axe was at the root. And you know, all it had was leaves. Ever since old Grampy Adam and Granny Smith Eve uh, covered up... Covered up in fig leaves, right? Remember? Let's get the fig leaves. Cover themselves in fig leaves to hide their privates from their maker. Yeah, ever since then, we've been tempted to attempt to do the same thing. We've got to hide our private stuff, you know, from the guy who made us. I shouldn't call God a guy. <laughs> so the guy who made it. It's just like some guy. So when it comes to our sin, here's the point. Don't run for cover. Flee to a knee and to God's grace through faith. Because that's it. That's the only place it's safe. I mean, you know, we sit here, we think about it. We go, well, duh, that's the only thing that makes sense. Then we go out and we live differently. Because we're dumb. (laughs) This miracle that Jesus does here by the fig tree is not about a fig You know, it's not about a fig. It's a signal that time's up, done, year's over, and judgment's coming. And then uh, Jesus is crucified. And judgment came after a 40-year grace period. 40 years in order to get as many ready to flee to the mountains as possible to Pella we know historically we looked at it last Sunday a city in the Decapolis where Gentile believers who at one point they hated Jews they're no different than the Romans coming but uh, there in Pella the Gentile believers had prepared to receive and they hid and protected the Jewish believers their brothers and sisters Because they'd been prepared by those who shared the dawning light of the body of Christ beginning with good old Gad. Old miraculous Gad going through the land casting out demons. Isaiah declares the city of confusion is broken down and the gate is stricken with destruction. Therefore glorify the Lord in that dawning light. Because fear and the pit and the snare are upon you. You see, he who flees is almost like he saw the news report. He who flees from the noise of the fear shall fall into the pit. And he who comes up from the midst of the pit shall be caught in the snare. And they did, and they were. Because when they fled too late, they had to go into the trench. The five-mile trench at the base of the earthen mounds. And as they came up, they were caught and crucified. And so for us, it begs the question... Will you blossom before your deadline? What's your life producing? What are we doing? Or is he just going to find, you know, church going and good deed doing amounting to just so many leaves? As in every garden, we need, we need both miracle grow, right? And deadline 
I, this is, that's how it works down here. So, <laughs> so here's the thing. Let the wicked be like the snail, which melts away. You didn't think I'd have a scripture for deadline, did you? <laughs> Let the wicked be like a snail, which melts away as it goes. And like those burning thorns. Because the righteous shall rejoice when he sees the vengeance. Oh, that Habakkuk describes, and I mean the whole book. It's three chapters. It's all about it. Habakkuk describes this vengeance when the wicked surround the righteous. And he says, God says, be utterly astounded for I will work a work in your days of vengeance, which you would not believe though it were told you, which they didn't though he did. Their cavalry comes from afar. They heap up earthen mounds and seize it. Write the vision that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak. But, you know, fear not. The just shall live by his faith in the day of trouble. By his faith? Yeah, because he runs when he sees them surrounding when, uh, when he, this guy, will invade them with his troops, legions. His legions. That, that word for troops there, I don't have time to go into it, but I'll tell you right now, it is only used one other place in the Bible, and it's in the prophecy of Gad. <laughs> I wish we could go down that rabbit hole. Uh, he says, though the fig tree may not blossom nor fruit beyond the vines, though the flock may be cut off from the fold. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, the God of my salvation. That fig tree was given an extra year, and then Israel and Jerusalem were given 40 more. Because the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, but is patient toward you, me, not wishing that any should perish but that all should reach repentance. And you and I, we can't know if we have a minute to spare. We can only know if we won't grow and bear fruit. He must eventually uproot. Although, let me make clear, he welcomes late bloomers with open arms. So whatever you do, Don't just leave with just leaves. Let's pray. Father God, we love you and adore you for your grace and your great desire that none should perish. Holy Spirit, help us to more and more bear the faithful fruit that comes from trusting you. Lord Jesus, our great caretaker, we thank you and praise you for covering us with your righteousness. And everybody said, amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.